This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered. Finally, we are back. Hopefully you are enjoying your weekend. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I'm just one of your hosts here on Unholstered, and I represent the local media side. Good morning and welcome back, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and this is our show Unholstered. Yeah, Sophia obviously represents the law enforcement side. This show is all about the local media and local law enforcement teaming up to share and tell all of the stories that don't get told when it comes to law enforcement. And a really big topic of conversation as of late, especially coming off the 4th of July holiday that wasn't too long ago, is just the topic of mass shootings, unfortunately. Um, Quite frankly, I'm sick of the topic. I'm sure we all are. No one wants to hear about another mass shooting. Uh, But to piggyback off of that, something that you and I spent some time talking about with a a previous guest, which by the way, if you've missed any episodes of Unholstered, (laughs) uh, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Uh, But something that we also got into, we were talking about mass shootings with, with the guest that we had on. We were talking about clearing those active shooter scenes and what goes into it. And something that I learned is that the Fort Wayne Police Department specifically does it very different than a lot of other police departments. So with that, Sophia, I'm going to let you take it away and tell us who you brought in to kind of elaborate on on what we do here in Fort Wayne. Right. So the previous show we're talking about, uh, we had a special guest on. It was the shooting school director, and he talked about mass shootings. And we talked a little bit about that. I think he was surprised that when I came on and I said, well, we do it a little bit differently here. I mean, we're not going to wait um, for neutralization of the active shooter before we're going to help victims, if possible. So we should recap this. So, so, so most departments then, and correct me if I'm wrong, and this is me getting understanding from him, most departments have to wait for that scene to completely be cleared before they allow emergency personnel in to, to help a victim, let's say, bleeding out. Right? I would say a majority of them probably do. Okay. But yes. that's not how that we do it That is not the here. case here, no. So I did bring on some special guests today. Um, one is going to be our SWAT team commander, and then we have a member of our SWAT team as well here to talk about the subject and our training and what, what it means and what we actually do. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, Sergeant Tim Hughes, uh, SWAT team commander. I've been with the team for about 12, 13 years, and I've been the commander for a little over a year now. And I brought uh, Detective Kurt Francis with me. He's a tenured member of the team. He's also on our explosive uh, breaching team, and uh, he's he's one of our senior senior team members. So he does a good, good job for us. <laughs> Well, you got to say that. He's sitting right by you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Kayla. No, I'm so glad you're both here. Um I, I feel like this is such an important topic of conversation because I learned something new as well. I had, I just also, I don't, I guess I don't know what I assumed. I assumed you get shot and a, emergency personnel are going to be right there, but I, I didn't actually think about well, what if the shooter is still running amok or we haven't haven't got him yet. So I mean, you guys take it away. How do we clear an active shooter scene? Well, the um, like you said, if the if the active shooter is still active and hasn't been neutralized yet, the priority is neutralizing him. Um, it may sound kind of cold or callous, but when we, our first few officers that enter the building to go after the active shooter, uh, they should be stepping over any victims that are down, um, basically kind of ignoring them and moving forward to stop the active shooter. Because the, the process is stop the killing and then stop the dying, mm-hmm. which means we have to stop this guy from poking holes in people, and then we can go back and start plugging the holes he's already made. So it does us no good if we stop at every victim that we come to without ever going and stopping him. and Because we, we'll just follow a trail of bodies the whole day. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop him, 
and then we help the victims, and then we evacuate the living. Um, one of the things that we have done here, which I think uh, Captain Rosales was starting to talk about, was this, uh, how can we get that aid to people quicker? Mm-hmm. And that's where we we uh, started this rescue task force, uh, this cooperative af- effort with the fire department. We've trained with them. We've actually used this technique on an incident here in the city once, where once we have substantial officers inside hunting down the gunmen, we will send uh, firefighters inside under the protection of no police officers to start tending to the victims in what we would consider a warm zone. And it's kind of situational on how big the warm zone is, where it is, or if it even exists at all. There could be a situation where it's like, hey, we cannot send these people in there yet. But most of the time, we can establish a warm zone. How long has this task force existed? Uh, I, I can't even tell you. It's, it's been, been a while. Numerous years, yeah. yeah. So this isn't something new that you guys yeah. just came up with. We've you... been practicing this for a long time. And really, I'll give credit to former Commander Kevin Zeltz um, and just the whole team, um, because this really is a team effort and their training and their training with the fire department. And they've just gone beyond thinking about, like, what's right now and thinking about what can we do better. And I think that's kind of like the standard for any good team is like, yeah, we're doing this great, but how can we be better? And this is just one of those steps where we go to be better. So as the commander, do you make that call whether or not to send in that rescue team? Like who makes that call? It's a unified, it would be a unified command decision. I don't um, know what that means. So there there would be, uh, there would be like my equivalent from the fire department would be there. Uh, maybe Captain Rosales is there as the incident scene commander. This would be like a, a like a group decision. But we've all we've all experienced the training, and we like I said, we've actually used it once before in a real world scenario. So we're all pretty much on that road already. That this is what's going to happen next. Okay, so I want to just paint this picture here. So you've got, and I'm going to call it SWAT team number one, essentially that goes in to neutralize the shooter, right? Well. To be very realistic with you in an active shooter situation is probably going to be uh, like your regular uniform officers are going to be the ones going in. They're going, going first. To, they're going to get there first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and we've had this training too. So we all carry patrol rifles at the patrol level. So we all have You rifles. got one right now in your car? I have one right now in my car. Um, that and we carry shotguns. We have extra ammo pouches, things like that. So we can go in. You know, Which makes sense, like the Uvalde shooting yeah, that we talked right a lot there. about. Yeah. T- and sometimes we have, obviously we don't have a full-time team. So those all, those guys are on the street already. So some of those guys are actually going to be first on the scene with with just your quote-unquote regular the officer. The SWAT team is volunteer, right? It is. And then they would send a page and then they'd all come. Mm-hmm. But in something like that, a lot of them are already working because they worked all different shifts all throughout the city. So chances are one or two of them are going to be there. So they would probably be the leaders of those teams, but we would then assist them as we go forward. Gotcha. So you kind of back off a little bit. And well, then... we're right there with them, but yeah. they're calling the shots, shots. because okay. they're the ones with the tactical training more so than what we have. All right. So let's say SWAT's there along with you, Sophia, and whoever else was able to get to the call. They're going in trying to neutralize the threat. And then what? What? So this rescue team then is just another sublet, another, I don't know, group of people that get called in? That is not part of the SWAT team. So the fire, de- it's the fire department. So it is the fire department. Yes, okay. it, it's firefighters. They would respond to the initial call of the shooting. But you said they're going in with under the. They would. So okay. we would task like two, at least two, 
officers, maybe more, to escort them into the building and stay with them the whole time. And while they're treating victims, the officers are basically providing cover for them. Those are some brave firefighters. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, their well. job is to tend to the victims, I mean, and most of them are EMTs or paramedics. Kurt, what's your role in all this? Well, and, and just to paint a picture a little bit better for you on this, um, imagine that uh, it's a large scene. And it'd be very dynamic. So in a real world situation, it very well could you could have a warm zone and then a hot zone. So you have, you know, EST members or first responders clearing ahead of where the rescue task force would be providing aid to, uh, you know, down victims. And so that area could slowly expand where they're moving through behind officers who are providing that cover. So, you know, if I was um, on regular patrol, like I work vice and narcotics is is what I do on a full-time basis, and we were responding to a situation like that, the number one thing that we are, our priority is, like like Sergeant Hughes said, is to stop the killing. And so our our number one priority is to find that threat and to neutralize it, to stop him, to go inside the building and by whatever means confront the shooter or the shooters and and make them stop what they're doing. Um, Then... Um, as other officers arrive, you're going to have firefighters, you're going to have other officers chomping at the bit to get mm-hmm. into that building. They want to save these these uh, these victims, and they want to get in that building. So, uh, you know, establishing this warm zone or the unified command is uh, allowing uh, these folks in. They're, they're going to be wanting in. So it's not going to be hard to find, you know, paramedics and firefighters that are, are willing to come in. So as we're clearing, they're behind us providing aid, evacuating people. And um, and that's it would just be moving dynamics. So imagine you're in the, like a very large building. Mm-hmm. Let, let's say um, you a, know, mall. A, sh- a mall, yeah. a shopping center. Yeah, You can only imagine you, you, you couldn't lock the whole building down. You can clear it systematically and start evacuating people. So. Yeah, you think of like a school, um, and I think what we're, they're referring to is where we've actually implemented this, I believe, was, was Ravenscroft. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's when we right. had that yes. report of an active shooter, and it and technically was. Um, and that was, what, 2011, 2012? That was a long time ago, wasn't it? I don't even remember when it was. I don't think it was. It, was, it wasn't that It was long? several years ago, but yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't that long. 15 and, or 16. And oh, okay. I actually led the you task did. force in that day. So I was at home and the page went out for an active shooter and by the time i got there there were already like i said regular uniform officers were already inside clearing it searching for the gunman and there was no more shots being fired and uh i learned that we already had a search team inside based on the size of the building one search team was probably good enough and i learned that there were some officers holding the lobby area and so we basically owned that as ours that's our real estate now and so uh, I was like, that's a pretty good warm zone. Uh, let's get these firefighters closer. And by the time I got there, they were standing there with their body armor on and their 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 med kits in hand. They were ready to go in. Wow. And I just looked at them. I said, are you guys ready? And they were like, yeah. I'm like, come with me. And I escorted them into the warm zone and uh, basically turned them over to the officers that mm-hmm. were there holding that scene to, to protect them. Um, and then the search team found the suspect. Uh, he was down from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and we didn't find any other victims inside. And, and so the rescue team then moved towards the suspect uh, with an escort from officers and pronounced him dead. And I will say this. Um, if anyone is worried about the reaction of your 
local police departments to something like this. Um, I, I can say, and I just got goosebumps, looking at that scene and how many responding officers were there ready to go in and going in and there to help victims and people and traffic because you can understand that thing would be a mess right so you've got several people inside think of think of like a school and someone calling out Mm -hmm. you know they're calling their parents who's coming their parents are coming to the scene right we've got to contain all that we've got to keep people back but the amount of officers that were there was it it just made me so proud right Mm -hmm. because this isn't i know people like they like to tout this uvalde situation like this is all law enforcement this is that is not the standard this is the standard people ready to go in at any moment's notice put themselves in harm's way to help your loved ones and that's what makes me very proud of this profession well and i think that's also a testament We, we say this a lot about fort wayne i mean how lucky we are because we just started by saying it not all Police departments do it this way, right? I mean, why, I, I don't know. Why not? Just purely they don't have the resources? Resources, level of training. I mean, we, our, I, I will say this. Our, our SWAT team, people can say this all day long about their SWAT team, but really ours is the best. Yeah. Um, I would put them toe-to-toe against anyone That's in the country. The, yeah. the guys like that. Yeah, in the country. <laughs> I'm talking, you know, they may have more people in New York. They may have more people in, in L.A., but, you know, we have heart, mm-hmm. and that's what matters. Well, and yeah. the training. You just said that. I mean, you're standing there at the ready. And yeah. I, I guess I didn't realize, Sophia, even if you're not on the SWAT t- team, that you're all traveling with We're ready. Weapons. Yeah, right. you're ready. We're trained. I mean, not at the level of these guys. These mm-hmm. guys are very specially trained for a lot of but different But you're right. Of course, you're going to be the first one on the scene before we'll, they all yeah, get we'll there. Yeah, we'll be there first. And so we've got to be ready to go in. And I, judging by what happened at, at Ravenscroft years ago, I'm not worried at all about anything like Uvalde happening here. So, Kurt, I still never got to, got to your role <laughs> on, on the SWAT team. Oh, so, yeah, um, I'm just a regular team member. Uh, I've been on our team for about eight years, um, except I also have a specialty, which is um, we have a small element on our team that's in charge of explosive breaching. So uh, we're specially trained um, in explosives to use those to, um, uh, whether we need to breach a hole in a, in a wall or breach a door, um, we can use explosives to uh, make expedient entry into a structure of any kind, depending on the situation. Does this special skill set of yours get used often? Uh, I think last year we did uh, uh, four to maybe five uh, operational explosive breaches. Um, in the history of our team, it, it, this capability was there before I was part of the team. Uh, we've done 24 operational breaches. Uh, we train uh, we have a five-man team, and we train uh, one day together a month. Um, and wow. we, uh, we we do everything from build charges to do research on different type of uh, structures that may need to be breached indoors, identifying you know what charges are appropriate for what type of door. But our number one goal is to use the least amount of explosive material to have a positive breach. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that comes from just... Uh, experience and um, data that we collect uh, looking at different doors and how they're put together. So yeah, that that's something we utilize. We do utilize it. When it comes to an actual active shooter scene, let's go ahead. Yes, we're at the shopping mall, but let's say now the shooter has ran out of the shopping mall. Mm-hmm. So how, how does that work? Does the whole team then still go after said shooter? Or are we still trying to create a warm zone for the victims who well, I will say, do need assistance? If the shooter is going to come out in the open and he's being pursued he's got a limited time left gotcha so um if he's still a threat he will be dealt with very quickly um but um 
you know, officers make those split second decisions all the time. Um, when we're pursuing a dangerous individual, you know, we need a number of people to do that and to make sure it's mm-hmm. done and we're successful. But other officers are coming and there there's other officers that find themselves like, OK, they're dealing with the threat that's handled. I can help this victim. Gotcha. And so that all kind of happens. They don't need somebody standing over them saying, you go over there and you do this. Y'all are just working simultaneously. They're, they're looking for yeah. work. And that's that's what that's the great thing about our agencies. Everybody, when they show up to a scene, they're just looking for something to do. And whether if, if you know, the apprehension of the suspect's already taken care of, all right, so who can I help? And or vice versa. So um, those things kind of just happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many guys are on the SWAT team? Or gal, I guess folks, I should say. It, How many it's individuals? It's all men it is for all now. Men. Okay. Well, maybe one day we'll get a little female right. on there, but not yet. There's uh, there's 20, uh, 27. Wow, uh, that seems large. No? Well, yes? actually, we're, we're, we had a couple guys left the team recently, you know, just simply because you age out at mm-hmm. some point. You know, they're, like they're, the heart was willing, but the, the body just couldn't do it anymore sure. kind of stuff. Um, we're actually having tryouts coming up in about a month. Um, we're, there you go, Sophia. We'd like to <laughs> we, we'd like to expand our numbers, but but we uh, we won't uh, we won't expand just for the sake of having numbers. I mean, if if we don't have qualified applicants and they can't meet all the criteria and stuff, we the we, rigorous we criteria. Won't, really? we won't take yeah, them. it's difficult. Well, I, I would assume so, but I mean, yeah. do you have to have been on the force for a certain number of years as well? Three, three years? We, we like three years. Three. You know, it gives us a little bit of time to uh, figure out if this guy's a a keeper, well, qualified, of good character. It has the go. temperament, right? Yeah. So if you're coming on the department and you're heavy-handed or you don't know how to talk to people, it's going to create problems, create complaints. I mean, we we check. They check IA files. They check with your supervisors. You have to have a letter of recommendation. Or, you know, so all sorts of things. Then the physical part, the shooting part, all that kind of stuff. Interviews, all that kind of stuff. So it's a rigorous, a rigorous thing, and it should be, right? We're at we're tasking these uh, officers of doing the best work that an officer can do and we've got a great team like i said i'd put them up against anyone and it's all strictly volunteer so explain to me why you two decided to volunteer for this well it's it's volunteer kinda i mean <laughs> like so well yeah you we like get paid. to apply well sure we get but compensated for no but it's a, not a do. it's not your full-time job Correct. Is what we mean. right so uh kurt yeah i i mean this in law enforcement, you're already going to have a lot of people that um, were athletes growing up. Uh, you're going to have a lot of people that were in the military, and they they these these are other pe- also people that are just looking for some way to serve, mm-hmm. and they they're they're drawn to it. They don't they don't know why, but they are. Uh, both me and Sergeant Hughes, we both served in our military. Um, there's there's several people on our team that did, uh, but there's also a lot of athletes. Um, when it comes to EST, it is a team environment, and you have to be drawn to that. Um, everybody on the outside that is not on our team understands, you know, we have we do have a culture, and it's it's a team culture, mm-hmm. and and everybody on our team is drawn to that. So I I would say that you know, people enter law enforcement for a lot of reasons, but it's it's mostly about serving the public and in in this desire to do so. I would say that. Joining the team, our, our SWAT team, is just one more step in that same direction. And, and so some people really love 
the idea of the team, but they're not great team players. And so when we talk about doing tryouts and, 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 and finding the right character in our folks, that's what we're looking for. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of individuals out there that are great cops. They are fantastic police officers, but they are not meant for the SWAT team. Um, it, and that's we, okay. It, yeah. And it's completely yeah. okay. And, and it's, it's a general understanding. And a lot of times those, those folks aren't the ones trying out. It's the people that are drawn to, like, um, the team culture. They, you know, they want to be part of something else. And uh, that's why I did it. And I, I waited eight years. I was on this agency for eight years and before I tried out. And it was one of the best things I did. So. What about you, Sergeant Hughes? You're now the commander. You're kind of so, like a big deal now. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> you know, the 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 camaraderie, mm-hmm. the the team environment, all that stuff's you know real attractive. The the extra training, skills, experience in in uh, special weapons, it's all that stuff's attractive too. Um, just the the challenge of it. It's kind of similar to why why did you go in homicide, you know, if you mm-hmm. ask me. Well, because it was a challenge, and I wanted to see if I could rise to the occasion and if I could meet the challenge. Um, you know, some people are like, well, you must have a real stressful job. No, I like my job. Well, when you go out on these call-outs and things, like, no, I want you to present me with a very challenging problem because mm-hmm. I want to fix it. You know, that's what it, that's what we do. We fix challenging situations. Um so, the, you know, people always ask, why did you become a cop? Like, well, and I always say I don't remember. Usually I just don't feel like talking about it. But, you know, <laughs> the uh, people always want to say, well, I want to protect, I want to serve, I want to make the world better. That all sounds great, all right? But here, like, here's the bottom line. Like, I don't like when bad stuff happens to good people, mm-hmm. and I want to do something to stop it. And if I can't stop it, I want to be in a position to go after the people responsible for it. That's all there is to it. I want to go after bad people. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. Not to mention you both have ice in your veins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> left that detail Cold out. and calculated. Yeah, right. I mean, what am I missing when it comes to clearing an active shooter situation? I think we've covered it all. I just like I, I just want to give this community an understanding of what we do here because I know it's really easy to watch TV and get this misconception about what our SWAT team does or what they won't do in a certain situation because we're looking at what some little small, you know, department in Texas did once. You know, or what one officer did in Florida once, and they you don't see the numerous times these things happen, and the officers do what they should. And they're have successful, done. yeah, yeah. And we don't those those don't get highlighted. It's always just the bad stuff. So I just want to make sure that people understand what we do here on this department and, and the heart that we have in doing this job and serving this community. And like Sergeant Hughes said, you know, stopping the bad people from preying on the good people. Um, and and you know, three to six percent of the U.S. population is, is quote unquote, bad, (laughs) you know, and sometimes we lose track of that. And sometimes I think the the people, people lose track of that. But really only because you said it, we only hear about the bad. Yeah. Three percent, three to six percent of the population is in prison, period. Um, And the 94 to 96 or or 97 are are good people. Always the stats, girl. Yeah. I would like to just piggyback on what Captain Rosales is is talking about, because so we're we're talking about the, the Broward county deputy who who failed we're talking about the the mm-hmm. epic failure in in uvalde and that is not the norm it should not be the norm and i can tell you that when when we saw these things uh 
in Fort Wayne when we saw these things taking place, our team was dismayed. Okay, I mean it was uh, an epic failure. It was embarrassing for law enforcement. It was disgusting and despicable the actions of these officers. And then it was like as you learn as the days went on and you learned more about the things that were going on, especially in Uvalde, it got progressively worse. And it's like, my God, what is wrong with you yeah. people? And I, I mean, I can tell you it hurt my heart. I know it hurt the hearts of the team guys. And we have talked about these things. That will never happen here. You will you will be holding officers' funerals before you see us standing in a yeah. hallway watching people die. And handcuffing parents to not go into the building. Yeah, we wouldn't have to because we'd be handling it. Right, exactly. Well, I take comfort. I I always say that to Sophia when I learn about, like, again, I didn't know about this rescue team, for example, with the Fort Wayne Fire Department. I didn't know the extent of how the team works going in for an active shooter situation, the SWAT team. And I didn't realize it was that big. I don't know why I was thinking there was like 12 or 13 members. No, and 27 really isn't a lot when you take into account. It's 365, seven seven days, 24 hours a day. These people are on call. These guys guys are on call. Do you wear beepers? How does that work? How does like the bat signal go (laughs) out? Well, you're telling your age there, (laughs) Kayla. You want to know why I say that? we do have beepers. It's kind of like how it is though in Congress. You know, it's kind of like how it is in Congress. They have this like bat signal is what I like to call going out. There is a paging system, but the paging system can also go to our our phones i'm 34 i just yeah. want to Beaver. clarify that just you know yeah i don't know i don't do like some special them, swap beepers or something yeah. well thanks guys for coming in i appreciate what you do appreciate your service for our country i mean that's like I said, ice in your veins um next week we got to cover constitutional carry we've been saying we're going to do that for quite recap, some time right recap we're, a year into it we're uh we're far past a year now yeah. at this point of of where we are now if things have changed haven't changed for good, better, or worse. I don't know. Uh, But we'll get into that next week here on Unholstered. In the meantime, if you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download us anywhere you download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.